Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. We have the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to consistently satisfy clients, increase profitability, and run your projects like a boss. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to hundreds of targeted training modules, plus member perks like BOD Live events, member-only podcasts, preferred pricing, and the support of an engaged community of peers. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Hello, hello, you fabulous interior design professional. How are you? Oh my gosh, it has been so good to be out in the world and see some faces. I had the opportunity to host a Kohler breakfast at the Interior Design Show in Toronto and got to speak to a live audience, which was wonderful and strange and wonderful. And in addition to that, let me see what else is going on. Work is busy, right? I'm so thankful. And yet it's at the point where I feel like, "Mm, is this too much? And how do I cut back on that? And I know what you're going to tell me, because I say it to you all the time, you cut back on it, you raise your rates, you say no to those projects that aren't the right projects. Yeah, It's always easier to give that advice than to do it. But this week, I was able to say no to a project. It just didn't feel right. I wasn't excited about even going to the consultation. We had to move the consultation. And when they complained, I just said, you know what? I'm tapping out. Um, I'm just not going to even go to the consultation. I already know this isn't a job for me. So that that felt good. Um, on the one hand, and then it felt a little like, ooh, you know, are the gods going to punish me for my hubris? I don't think so. I think they're going to reward me with a little more free time so I can do some of the things I plan to do this summer, like ride my bike in preparation for an epic biking trip in Scotland. If I don't train all summer long. When I get on the bike trip, I'm in agony. So I don't want that. So I will be getting on my bike as soon as the snow clears here in Cremor, which won't be, by the way, until after I return from Dallas, where I will be next weekend with the boss group. I'm very excited about that. And then right after that, the elite retreat in Santa Monica. So I have so many fun things to look forward to. And then it'll be time to get on my bike. (laughs) You didn't tune into the show, though, to talk about my uh, exercise plans, did you? No, you tune into Business of Design podcast because like me and like everyone listening and like our Business of Design member community, you're running a business. And some days that's harder than it sounds. And it sounds pretty hard. So we're supposed to be in the business of giving actionable advice, and that's what I want to do. You are going to hear a brief excerpt from a conversation I had years ago, maybe three, four years ago, with a Business of Design member, Manaz Malik, who is from Natari Design. Her website's absolutely lovely. And we we had a conversation at the very beginning of Manaz's association with Business of Design. She had been a member for a very short amount of time, and she was just taking the contracts course. And so she shared one of the challenges with her then existing contract. 
And boy, oh boy, could I relate to it. Contracts is just one of those topics we can never say enough about because life changes, rules change, and from time to time, we have to make those adjustments to make sure our contract is our best partner and our best protection. And that's the topic today of this brief conversation, but it's a topic that's a much broader conversation we're going to have in an upcoming episode in about four weeks. It's going to be a broader conversation because of you. Yes. I want you to contribute to that conversation because who knows better than you do what is in your contract that works and maybe what's in your contract that doesn't work. Now, as I said, I recorded this conversation with Manaz years ago, and I have zero doubt by now she's made substantial changes to her contract and business is good. Her candid insights during this conversation reminded me of my first contract as well, and I think it's a point you can never make too frequently. She shares that she had a contract with way too much legalese. It was so complicated. In fact, when her clients asked her a question about what something meant, she wasn't able to answer that question. And her insights about how that made her look to the clients and what that opened in terms of boundaries are really valuable. So avoiding unnecessary legalese, which is almost all legalese, is absolutely essential in your contract. Now, if on the advice of counsel, there is a known clause, a recognized legal clause that you ought to have in your contract, great, no problem. As long as it is followed by a plain speak explanation of what that clause means. Never have anything in your contract that wouldn't be crystal clear to a client. You want them to fully understand the rules you've agreed to, the boundaries you've agreed to. And in that way, you can avoid most, if not all, potential conflicts. I say conflicts, not confrontation, right? Because from time to time, we're going to have to have a conversation with clients saying, yes, I understand that those moving, shipping, and duties are extraordinarily expensive right now. But as my contract states, those items are outside of any other fees and they will be billed on a monthly basis. That's a conversation I had to have with clients recently because they've worked with us many times and they were saying, you know, these bills for shipping and duty and freight, et cetera, are so much higher than previous. And we know things are more expensive, but this seems out of line. Fortunately, I was able to show them some of the original invoices I have for duties and shipping and freight. I never put markup on those things. And because I was able to do that, I could immediately restore any trust that may have been in doubt. So that's something in my contract, something I'm super grateful for. Now, I would like to ask you to do a favor for us. I would like to include you in a podcast in the next four weeks, just sharing what clause you love in your contract. Is there a phrase, a sentence, a paragraph that you think has saved you more than once? Is there something you're super grateful for? Or is there something that has messed you up so many times and you just need to make a final 
commitment and be accountable for making a change you know you should have made ages ago. Whatever it is, do a quick recording. You can do it on your iPhone. You can do it as a note. You can phone our office. It doesn't really matter. Just get your voice recorded. Make sure you include your name, your company name, and your Instagram handle if you want people to follow you. And then give us your advice. Short and sweet. I love that my contract gives me permission to photograph houses in advance or whatever it is. The favorite line in my contract has to do with when I get paid. We insist on payment upon receipt. We don't have any terms in our contract. Something like that. Of course, my favorite thing in my contract, maybe you know this, maybe you don't know this, my favorite, favorite, favorite part of my contract is it starts page one with my 15-step project management strategy. You guys know it as the BOD 15, but it's just the linear process that Kimberly Selden Design Group uses to run projects from beginning to end. I find having that as page one really sets the tone for our relationship. Clients typically have very few questions once I get through explaining how it's all going to work. We want real advice from real you. And we'll share that with all the listeners and the Business of Design community. Thank you, by the way. It's really wonderful if you would consider doing this. It's a way of paying it forward to designers who are a little less far down the road than you are. And it's a great way to reinforce and become accountable for doing something you know you should be doing on a regular basis. So record a voice memo telling us what you love about your contract, how it saved you, which line you're so grateful for, or what you really know you need to change in your contract, either one, and send it to Cheryl at businessofdesign.com, Cheryl with a C. Cheryl's off this week, holiday weekend. She's enjoying some time with her family. But if you're coming to the Business of Design Elite Retreat Santa Monica, you'll see her there. In terms of announcements, I think we'll talk more about this next week, but if you have thought, you know what, I am ready, I am ready to catapult my business to a new level. I am ready to earn as profit in my pocket six figures plus year over year without exception. You may be ready for BOD Boss. On May 4th, we're having an information meeting. So ask your questions, see if it's right for you. Let's have a conversation about the ways you should be thinking now about your business as a vehicle to take care of you in the future. For more information, May 4th, BOD Boss, go to businessofdesign.com. And I'm sure Cheryl will be talking about this next week on the podcast. Plus, I'll just have been back from a BOD boss member visit in Dallas, so I can tell you all about that. The next boss group launches in October, and we will fill all the spots, ideally by August, so the time to act is now. We would love to have you be a member. I would love to have you be a boss member. Coming up on the podcast, too, I'm going to tell you some of the exciting speakers we have lined up and topics we have lined up. We have not one, but two lawyers who are going to weigh in on what I think is one of the biggest challenges the industry faces. 
That is the limitations being placed on interior design professionals to procure items, either goods or trades on behalf of clients. The first lawyer you're going to hear from takes a very cautious approach and feels strongly that the design professional should always let the client hire the trades and keep those contracts arm's length. I totally understand this rationale. She makes a very good case for it. And if this sounds like you, she's got good advice for you. I always bristle at this approach because I know you are substantially limiting your profitability when you go this way. And I also think you are putting yourself in a position of much greater risk when you don't have control over who's working on the project. But I think it's important for us to hear both sides of that conversation. And so, as I said, the first lawyer we're going to have on the show is going to take the very cautious, conservative approach. And if that sounds like you or you're just curious, that episode is coming up, episode 270 next week. And then episode 271, you're going to meet Thomas Nation. He's a solicitor in London, England. And Thomas is going to share what he considers to be a possible workaround for those of you like me who want to be in charge of procurement and who love the financial security that brings to our business. So that's coming up episode number 271. Part of that episode will be limited to members only, MoBOD, but there'll be a good chunk of information for those of you who are not yet members. And we hope that's an enticement for you to join. Why aren't you joining? We really need your support and want your support in this community. So I hope you'll consider membership. There is no silver bullet that will protect you from getting sued It just doesn't exist. However, we can be really smart about what's in our contract. We can seek legal counsel that's local to us because state by state, province by province, country by country, the rules are different and they change from time to time. So you always want to make sure you know what you're signing up for and you take on a level of risk and liability that you're comfortable with. And I'm just going to say this, make a lot of money. So if something terrible happens you won't be concerned about the financial aspect of it. The emotional part of it is very troubling indeed, for sure. And that's what the business of design community is for. We're there for you to have those conversations. But financially, you can protect yourself. Now, we're going to hear from Manaz Malik. Thank you, Manaz, for this wisdom you shared with us. And a reminder, please send us your own short voice recording, your name, your company name, your Instagram handle, and what you love about your contract. What are you just so darn grateful for? I'm grateful for you. Thanks for being here. And now on to the show. Um, What I don't love about my contract right now, and for full disclosure, I need to rewrite my contract. I have just started taking Kimberly's contract class and I love her contract. It's Simple, straightforward. It has all the salient points without going into too much jargon. And so what I don't like about my contract right now is that there is too much jargon. Um, and I find sometimes I need to put tons of information in there. And then what that and what ends up happening, and it's been happening more so to me lately, which is why I'm now taking Kimberly's contract course, is 
if you put too much jargon in there, it just leaves um, too many open questions for people. And then they start picking your contract apart. And then when I go back and I look at some of my clauses, I'm going, hmm, yeah, why did I put that in there? Oh, yeah, because somebody four years ago had told me to put that in there. And I don't actually really agree with it. It's just when I started my business, I took someone's advice and said, who said, this is what should be included in, in a designer's contract. And I just put it in there because I didn't know better. And so now I'm kind of looking a bit foolish to my client when I'm saying, oh, yeah, you want me to reword that? I completely agree. I will reword that. Because A, it makes me look unprofessional. And B, um, it gives the impression that I can easily be talked into or out of things. And that's not the impression I want to leave my clients with. That is so good. I love that. I got my first contract out of some business book and I didn't even know what some of this stuff meant. And I had that same experience where a client said, what does this mean? And I'm like, well, uh, trying to bluff my way through it, but it didn't really mean anything. What I've since learned is that if a third grader can understand it, then it's good to go. Really has to be so clear so that in the event something goes wrong, everybody knows what's going to happen. That's such a great one, Manaz. Thank you so much for sharing that and get busy on that new contract. I will. I hope this leaves you thinking about your contract and what you're excited about and perhaps what needs to change. Don't forget to send us those recordings and please fill out an application to be on the podcast. We get weekly two or three applications from coaches and companies who want to reach interior design professionals, who want to sell things to you. We know you are the experts. We know theory isn't all that helpful. So give us some real world experience. Come on the podcast. I promise it's easy and it's fun. Thanks so much for being here. We'll see you next time. Don't forget, we've got those two lawyers coming up in episodes 270 and 271. Until then. Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community and supporting BOD's mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. It's time for you to take the next step and join Business of Design. Like thousands of design professionals in 50 countries around the world, you'll find the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to dramatically improve your business and transform your life. What are you waiting for? Start today. Start today.